Hello and welcome to the Corporate Storytime podcast series. My name is Lucas Robinson, the host of the podcast. On this pod, I'll get the opportunity to talk to ASX company leaders and innovators as they run through their personal executive journeys and the stories behind the companies they are helping to grow today. I'll be leveraging my experience as a former stockbroker and my current role with investor relations consultancy, Corporate Storytime. But enough of that. For now, let's gather around, come in close, and let me tell you a story. Thanks for joining another episode of the Corporate Storytime podcast. It's a pleasure to have Great Boulder Resources Managing Director Andrew Patterson with me today. Great Boulder is listed on the ASX under the ticker GBR and is primarily focused on exploration at the company's flagship Sidewell Gold Project near the township of Mekathara in Western Australia's Murchison region. Over the last few years, Great Boulder has made several gold discoveries at Sidewell and has defined an impressive mineral resource of 668,000 ounces of gold, grading at 2.8 grams per tonne. Andrew, I know you're originally a boy from the bush. Was it the opportunity to use your brain and work in the outdoors that attracted you to a life in geology? Yeah, yeah, it was. Thanks, Lucas. Um, it literally was, a, you know, I, I grew up in the Pilbara um, on a cattle station south of Roeburn, um, which was resumed by the government for the Harding River Dam in the early 1980s. So my family and I moved down uh, in 1982 at the age of 10 years old. So giving my age away there. Um, went to high school. You've been kind, mate. <laughs> <laughs> went to high school uh, here in Perth, and and then, um, you know, during that time, I was I was considering what uh, what career might keep me outdoors and 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 um, and hold a bit of interest, and and so I, yeah, kind of fell into the study of geology at the School of Mines in Kalgoorlie, which has you know has been something fortunately despite a lack of planning in uh, going into that course of, of study, I, I've really enjoyed it. I've you know, been in the, in the game now for 30 years and loving it. Yeah, and I know that you've got a pretty diverse um, sort of level of experience, both within a mining context and, a, a, you know, pure exploration. Uh, where has the job taken you uh, over the course of your career? Well, initially, I spent a long time around the gold fields around Kalgoorlie, Coolgardie, Cambalda, you know, um, largely underground actually in production roles, which I, I really enjoyed and I still do enjoy going underground. Um, it's one of those things you either love it or you don't. And, and fortunately, I, I loved every minute of it. Um, so I didn't travel too far afield and then, you know, sort of gradually moved up the ladder, I suppose, until I was in a management role uh, in Mount Magnet for Harmony Gold running all their production and exploration between there and Big Bell um, in uh, 2004. So I suppose, in, you know, in that period, I'd, I'd gone from graduate to geology manager. Uh, in more recent years, I ended up exploring on Missamar Island in New Guinea, which is, is was my first taste of expat experience. And that was really interesting. I, I really enjoyed that. Um, Travelling over there all the time from Perth was was kind of onerous, but being on the ground there and working with the local people, uh, getting involved in 
in um, tropical exploration was really interesting. I, I must admit, in hindsight, I wasn't very good at it because I went over there with an Archean gold point of view and into epithermal tropical systems. It was completely different, but uh, had a lot of fun. It was good, good times. And, and what was that project? I mean, what, what commodity was it and, and what was discovered? Uh, gold primarily, it was a little bit of copper, but it was an existing uh, mining operation that had been closed by um, Placer and Barrick in uh, in the early 2000s and on the island of Missima, which was about halfway between um, Port Moresby and Bougainville, out on the island chain there. And uh, really big, they'd, they'd mined, I can't remember, a couple of million ounces, I think, and there was depending on the cutoff, there was between two and three million ounces remaining there in resource, quite low grade, but very large uh, over a strike length of about nine Ks. So it was quite an interesting challenge. Um, you know, di different in all respects to exploring in Mekathara where everything's flat. So I'll miss them and nothing's really flat. And um, dry. <laughs> and dry, yeah. You, you're kind of dealing with two or three metres of rain per year uh, on Missima, um, very challenging topography and, and using small, basically man portable diamond rigs. So everything, you know, the progress there is quite slow and uh, and everything has to either be air freighted in or or uh, arrives on a barge or and, and also the same in reverse with your mineral samples and stuff like that. So everything- That has from... to be a good project to carry the expenses associated with that kind of exploration. Yeah, that's right. So when we we got out there, uh, it had been there was a project had been underway for a couple of years then, but um, you know we didn't have reliable communications or electricity. Um, so yeah, there was a lot of challenges, and and um, it gradually got better over the years. I think they've got pretty good comms there now. But, you know, the, even in that reasonably short space of time, the, the availability of internet worldwide has been dramatically reshaped so yeah it was it was interesting yeah it, it was it's a sort of project that you spend three quarters of your time working on logistics and and if you're lucky a quarter of it on geology and um coming back to this role in western australia you know the ability to be able to drive a rig up to your nearest target and start drilling is just fantastic yeah yeah, no, I mean, it, one thing West Australia's got going for it is the topography makes it easy to get around. Um, and, just, and on WA, the iron ore industry sort of took you back to your roots in the Pilbara. Um, yeah. The role at Atlas. <clears throat> yeah, I was lucky enough to to get into Atlas fairly early in 2008. They were just starting the first mine there up at Pardue and... and um, I was running all the exploration and resource development there and it was a really exciting time and um, always good fun being back up in the Pilbara. It does get a bit hot from time to time, but it's always a nice place to be. <laughs> yeah, and, oh, it's um, an iconic an iconic part of the world. Yeah, absolutely. You fly into Port Hedland and grab a hire car and be out in the bush within an hour is bloody fantastic. So... Along the way, the Great Boulder opportunity came along. I know uh, the chairman, Greg Hall, uh, was someone that, you know, you'd known for some time. How, how did you find yourself in the managing director's position at Great Boulder? Well, I had met Greg, but I, I didn't really know him at that point. But I was actually having a short Easter holiday in Thailand with my wife. 
and um, browsing the, the mining news one day. <laughs> Pretty tragic when you're on holidays. Uh, but then I Work saw that. Sleep, smart. <laughs> I, I saw that um, Stephen Murphy had left Great Boulder and, and I was deliberately looking for MD roles. I, you know, I'd been on the board with Kingston for two or three years, but um, felt that it was time to, to sort of start steering my own ship. So I saw this role, this vacancy had come available and I looked up Great Boulder on the internet and I thought, well, that looks, you know, it looks pretty simple. I, I couldn't see any obvious kind of problems with it. You know, you, you kind of do a bit of due diligence looking for possible skeletons in the closet and that sort of thing. Um, but it all looked pretty good. And the project up at Yamana uh, looked like they had a, had legs. So when I got back to Perth, I actually rang Stefan and I said, oh, you know, this is a bit unusual, but I'd like to apply for your role. And he said, okay, we'll you know, send your contact details through and I'll pass them on to Greg. And um, Greg being generally a man of few words on the phone, he called me up a couple of days later and said, you're available for an interview? And I said, yep. And he said, right, 10 o'clock Thursday. And I said, yep. And he said, right, see you there. So um, went along, met the board, uh, and that was that. So Rest within, of history. So by this yeah. stage, the, the company had been a couple of years in existence uh, as an ASX-listed entity? Yeah, that's right. It, it listed in late 2016. I, I joined in mid-2019. Um, they had had an interesting history, made two big discoveries up at Yamana, nickel sulphide or nickel and copper. Um, unfortunately, by the time I, I got my feet under the desk, there wasn't much money uh, in the in the bank and um, the, the projects were getting a little bit tired. So I kind of rapidly decided it was time to bring in a bit of gold potential and, and see what we could do with that. Hence the Sidewell project that's now become the primary focus for the company. Yeah, that's right. Uh, initially, Dan Doran, my exploration manager, and I spent the first couple of months, you know, kind of putting together a bit of a shopping list before we went up to diggers in Kalgoorlie in the, in the August. And so we had a list of people that we wanted to talk to and talk about specific projects. And we came back with the Whiteheads project near Kalgoorlie. Um, and that was just, it was quite an important little stepping stone that enabled us firstly to recapitalise the business. I, I went over east and, and did a roadshow and managed to bring in some more funding. Um, then, yeah, then, you know, along came COVID at the start of the next year. So that actually presented another opportunity for us because we didn't really, we literally had nothing else to do. We were sitting in the office thinking, well, what, what else, you know, what can we do? So we spent another couple of months on the internet looking for other gold opportunities and, and came up with Sidewell. So, I mean, it's funny how these things work because we looked all over WA specifically and all over Australia to some degree and um, ended up coming back to a project that was with the same joint venture partner, uh, Scott Wilson there from Zabina. And um, there wasn't really a lot to go on with Sidewell initially in the, the data that was there, but we felt that it had enough legs that it was worth a look, you know, it was, so we took a fairly cautious approach with an option to, to explore it for up to two years. 
Um, and, you know, to long story short, I suppose the rest is to some degree history because it's just an absolute belter of a project. And um, I'd love to say that I knew it was there all along, but it's taken a while to figure it out. <laughs> yeah, it often does in exploration. Um, there was some, I mean, and, and there's been um, some announcements on the ASX that have alluded to some historical work done in the mid-80s uh, on the project um, by mm. ESSO um, that were never followed up for reasons unknown. Um, was there anything else, you know, uh, in terms of historical exploration work that led you to the opportunity? Uh, initially, the main interest was around the Mulga Bill um, prospect, which had had been originally drilled by Western Mining, I, I think around the same the same season that they first drilled Andy Well and discovered Andy Well. So Western Mining had most of that belt at the time in the mid nineties. Um, they formed a view that their uh, hurdle for ongoing work was was the opportunity for a four million ounce discovery. So they then formed the view they weren't going to find one, so they moved on. And and um, uh, the JV partner, Scott, held onto the ground with a minority interest one way or another for about 30 years before we came along. But um, And in the meantime, Scott, um, you know, was involved with Andy Well himself yeah. in conjunction with Doro. Yeah, that's right. So he, he got Andy Well back from Western Mining and, and had it for a few years, then did that deal with Dora in, I think, 2009, and, and that was extremely successful, very high-grade little mine there. Uh, so Dora and Scott did well out of that. Um, Dora drilled Malga Bill a little bit with Air Corps and RC drilling in between 2010 up to 2013. And so we had a few drill hits in Malga Bill, and we thought, well, you know, that's an obvious place to start. But um, it's a... It's basically an alluvial, um, almost like a floodplain. It's very, very flat, covered in sand. <clears throat> so we, you know, we did the the standard thing. We raced out there with an RC rig and and chucked in a dozen holes around existing uh, Doray intersections. I think the best previous result was ten metres at three point three five. So good number, but not not spectacular. Well, um, you've, out of, you've, you've drilled much higher eye-catching numbers than that since <laughs> that time. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, we got the results back and the first thing we thought was, oh, shit, it's, um, there's a bit of gold there, but it's not where we thought it would be and it's all looking a little bit more complicated than we, we expected. So um, we went right back to first principles and, and started looking at anything we could to figure out where the gold was. Uh, you know, if you imagine... You're on top of a, a flat plain. The the depth of weathering is about 100 metres below you. You can't see anything. There's no no visible geology or magnetics. Um, so stabbing in RC holes, just hoping for the best, clearly wasn't going to work in the short term. So we started using geochemistry, air core drilling down to the top of fresh rock, taking a sample of the the fresh rock, using the geochemistry to contour mineral mineralisation associated with the gold, and that was where uh, Dan actually first realised there was a, an association with bismuth and he sent some initial numbers off to Scott Halley who, who came back, you know, within sort of five minutes saying, holy shit, that's a pretty strong bismuth anomaly. So, so just for reference, Scott's a, a pretty well-renowned well, re world renowned geochemist. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Scott's Scott's not a, a big fella, but he's got a brain, uh, you know, that requires an air-cooled fan. He's, he's, uh, he's <laughs> people call him the professor, but he's just a brain on legs. He's um, he's an amazing guy and and a, a good friend of the company. Yeah, um, and so he's, um, uh, you know, his his technical opinion was that the bismuth, uh, where it can be found in the in the geochemistry in the soils. Is a fairly good pathfinder for gold mineralization. Yeah, yeah, and he said, you know, a good bismuth anomaly is anything above one part per million, and and we we were dealing at that time with anything from sort of one to ten ppm over a big stretch of ground. We we drilled out a bismuth anomaly uh, that was about six kilometres long, which we and which we then called the Mulgabill Corridor, and just contoured that up there was a few other associated elements um a bit of copper tungsten uh, molly and then contoured those and, and basically worked out what looked like the hot spot and went back with our second rc program and, and that was when we hit our first intersection of, of 30 plus grams per ton which was announced in may 2021 so by that stage for that that first announcement of high grade results was about 10 months after we'd signed the deal to get into sidewell so it took us that long really to start figuring it out um that was kind of our, our first confirmation that we were starting to understand the geology and that was a, an extremely exciting time for the company and, and um really got a lot of attention it was great yeah so in, in that time mulga bills become a lot bigger in fact it it accounts for the bulk of the mineral resource estimate that I quoted earlier on of around 670,000 ounces. Yeah. But there is a, there's a lot more going on. Um, the Ironbark Corridor is obviously where some of the attention is in the exploration is sort of focused at the moment. Um, yeah. Can you tell us a little bit more about that and the opportunity that you, you, know, you, know, you believe exists there? Yeah, yeah. So one thing we did fairly early on was a, a program of soil sampling over the Ironbark, what we now call the Ironbark Corridor. <clears throat> Ironbark didn't exist at that time, so we were just doing soil sampling over outcropping geology because uh, that area is away from the alluvials, so it's amenable to soil sampling. And we'd just come up to Ekathara from Kalgoorlie where the gold in soil anomalism is quite strong. So in Kalgoorlie, you know, five to 10 parts per billion in soils is, is pretty common and not that exciting. So we got all these soils results back from Mekathara where the soils results are mainly from zero to up to kind of five parts per billion. And we thought, oh, that's, that doesn't look that good. So we, we parked that for about a year. And then we thought we were working on Mulgabill and we, we thought, oh, we should really start testing other areas. So the two two of the decent sort of auger results, I think, were 8 and 15 ppb, parts per billion gold, side by side. So just two points in, in a single line of auger sampling. Um, and we drilled under them with air core and, and got some decent results and went back with RC and got some really nice sort of plus 10 gram intersections. And, and that's Ironbark. So that had been sitting there by that stage the data had been there for over a year and we had discounted it and then we started to realize that 
that Ironbark and that whole corridor was perhaps a little more interesting than we thought. Um, we looked at the geochemistry again, you know, looking at the chemical associations, realised that it was a different style. It was really just gold on its own, so um, more orogenic or, or, or structurally related <clears throat> mineralisation. More Seaplink common to, to the, the sort of um, geology you might see around Kalgoorlie? Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's very bread and butter kind of uh, mineralisation, steep dipping loads, um, fairly tabular, easy to mine and, and basically outcropping. So quite different. Um, a fair bit smaller than Mulga Bill. It's, it's about, you know, now that we've defined it, it's about 450, 500 metres long. Uh, we've drilled it down to 150 metres and there's 100,000 ounces there. So, you know, it's significantly smaller than Mulga Bill, but being right on surface and, and over three grams a tonne is um, pretty juicy. And, yeah. you know, the, the, the Ironbark Corridor, as you define it or have described it, it, is sort of like a 14 kilometre long anomaly, I understand. Yeah, so we, we started doing more uh, geochem, geochem sampling over, you know, when we had time, basically. We ended up, initially, we were using a contractor, then we just went to Bunnings and bought a little petrol-powered um, man-operated auger drill. Cost, I think the first one we bought cost like 200 bucks. Seriously, <laughs> watch. That's about Bunnings. the higher rate on a, getting a contractor to do it will cost you 200 bucks a day just for the for the rig. So that's <laughs> brilliant. Um, so yeah, we were just tickling away on that, doing a few samples here and there in our spare time and um, gradually increased the coverage to the whole 14K span and, um, and did multi-element assays on the whole lot. So yeah, that's... That's generated a, a heap of targets now. Um, we finished doing that about a bit over a year ago and put, put that information out in, into the public. A lot of these targets on that 14K stretch have never been drilled. So in that sense, it's a real greenfields project or a greenfields opportunity within a few kilometres of one of Western Australia's most historic goldfields. So it's, it's very, very unusual in that regard. Um, it then took us a while to get the rig onto the targets because we, at that stage, we didn't have an Aboriginal Heritage and Land Access Agreement. We'd been dealing with the local people directly to do heritage surveys. Uh, they then created a, a prescribed body corporate to run their heritage affairs and, or, or PBC. And so then the, the lawyers from the PBC said, well, you know, we, we should really make this a bit professional and put a formal agreement in place. Uh, that took a while, frankly. It was it took about six months to negotiate that agreement and, and that then coincided with the implementation of the new Heritage Act in Western Australia in the middle of last year. And as everyone was probably what, well aware in WA, that was kind of that, chaotic. That made big news. <laughs> yeah. It just, um, unfortunately, because of the timing, with us, it, it created a lot of uncertainty and no one really knew what was going on. So it basically stymied further progress for another two or three months. But we finally got on the ground in September, uh, did the heritage work, no problems there, uh, and started drilling in December. So that, unfortunately, that December drilling was the, the first drill test of the targets that at that stage we'd had for 12 months. 
and uh, and that was the salt bush drilling and and you know that's now looking really good yeah yeah well, that's obviously very recent news the drilling program mm. and the results returned from salt bush um do you want to yeah just give us a quick highlight of, of you know how salt bush is shaping up from what we know so far yeah well as you you touched on a moment ago some historic drilling from the 1980s and, and that's one example uh so exploration drill bat prospect um it's a, a target they're highlighted by old historic workings there's about six old shafts there they're not very deep um SO is that drill the three. only is that the only sort of historic mining that that's been done across the sidewell tenements pretty much yeah there's there's one or two little prospector type shafts a bit further north but but they're fairly superficial nothing significant really so compared to you know Paddy's Flat which is the original kind of discovery area for for Mekathara um, there's been really no prospector work or, or underground historic work on our side at all so I mean there's there's major advantages to that isn't there you know having mm. virgin unmined ground to, to you know yeah it's one day plan a mining campaign around yeah 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 there is um it is somewhat unusual in the sense that you know in western australia the old timers found probably you know at least 90 percent of gold deposits had been found by old timers which is just amazing when you consider the conditions they were working in um but in this case this was the only one really at salt bush so i guess that was in that sense, it was a relatively obvious target for SO to test, and they got some high grades there, but never went back. And um, that was in 1986. They did the drilling. It was in their 1987 report. And um, so 36 and, years later, you've gone back and yeah, confirmed <laughs> high grade gold mineralisation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and um, and that gave us our first look at the geology as well. And and the the geology is looking really like a almost exactly like an iron bark analog so you know if we could find another hundred thousand ounces there at saltbush uh, at surface we'd be very happy yeah and and i know touching on that bismuth anomaly and the uh, potential for that to be an indicator of um gold mineralization a yet unnamed bismuth anomaly is uh, being discovered along the iron bark corridor as well or, or it's been identified mm. in soil just tell us the parts per million that you've got there of bismuth. Yeah, that's right. So it's it's about 400 metres away. So firstly, the saltbush mineralisation is is gold with pathfinders, arsenic and antimony, which is the sort of the, the iron bark analogue. And then but 400 metres away in a, in a slightly different part of the stratigraphy, we've got this new target that's kind of hot off the press, just announced on Monday with absolutely screaming bismuth anomaly at uh, 10 times higher than anything we've seen in the whole project so far. So, you know, that's pretty remarkable in itself and that's in surface outcrop rock chip samples. Uh, that's accompanied by gold up to 0.6 grams per tonne, which is pretty strong for anomalism or super strong really. Um, silver up to 81 grams per tonne, which is one of the highest silver values we've seen. And um, basically, the the pathfinders there are, are a Mulgabil analog. So within 400 metres of each other, we've got uh, the ironbark style on one side and and Mulgabil style on the other. And um, and looking at at those respective pathfinders, you, you 
suddenly realised that these targets are much, much stronger than Ironbark itself. And there's a string of them, like a kind of a string of pearls type concept along that 14K corridor, of which Ironbark is nowhere near the best target. So that kind of sudden realisation in data that we'd had for a long time is just, a, I guess we've, we've suddenly looked at it with a different set of eyes. It, uh, it just sharpens our focus on testing all of those target areas as, as quickly as we can. And um, we do have a stated goal of achieving a million ounces in resource before we consider our first feasibility studies. And I think with these targets, you know, we're, we're really starting to de-risk that opportunity and, and head towards a million ounces fairly quickly. I bet you can't wait to get in and test that newly identified target. If anyone's got any ideas about sort of bush poems that may be uh, suitable for the naming of it, I know that you, you you're open to ideas. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I do get a bit excited. I had a few ideas already, but um, Dan Doran was he's the first one to walk across it and see the veining there. So, you know, technically that's his decision. So I'll oh, leave okay. that up to him. Okay. Well, <laughs> I mean, it's just open to suggestions. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I'm sure uh, if, if anyone's got any ideas, they can let it be known. And what, what you've just talked about there uh, is, you know, just one target of, of so many that, you know, regularly being identified. And, you know, it's clearly a highly mineralized, high-grade gold system. So that's extremely underexplored. So I can see why you and Dan and the exploration team are so excited about the opportunity. And, you know, you've, you, you're really getting some runs on the board um, from your work over the last few years as well. Just into um, the region, you're pretty close to Mekathara. What, what what sort of benefits does that bring Great Boulder? It just makes everything really easy. So, you know, for, from a logistics perspective, you, if you're staying there, our, we're using a little, an old Dominion mining camp actually in the corner of Mekathara in the Paddy's Flat part of town. Um, the guys can get out of bed and, and jump in the ute and be on the rig within... 10 minutes it's that close so it's it's simple um you're on a major highway there so all the freight is going up and down every day um you can get samples down to perth overnight for assay uh there's reliable electricity you know water um internet phone all that sort of stuff it, it just makes everything very easy to coordinate and um and then you've got all the, the support infrastructure like you know housing and shops and groceries and fuel and all the things that you need just to run a drill program so um it's really you know you couldn't ask for a better location i guess we had come to that been working out of cal for a year or so but prior to that we were working out in the amana belt a fair way east of laverton and and that was from a western australian perspective that was a, a little bit the opposite extreme where everything was self-supported um so working right in town is just a gift and uh yeah fantastic yeah and just to make it clear those yamana assets are now owned by cosmo of which great boulder is a major shareholder cosmo uh, are working on those assets and they've got enormous potential cosmos obviously also recently dealt their way into the canana gold project as well north of kalgoorlie so a little plug there for james merrilies and his team but um, yeah, yeah. Just, just on Mekathara, you know, obviously, you know, it's a historic mining centre, but West Gold, are, you know, obviously the, the major gold miner in town today. How close are you to that, that Bluebird Mill and the Paddy's Flat mining camp? 
the, so the Bluebird Mill is the closest operating gold plant, and um, that's less than 25 kilometres uh, radius from Mulgabil, or about 27 k's by road. I worked out the other day. So, you know, that would be the most obvious uh, opportunity for production would be to to put all tons through Bluebird at some point. So that's quite an interesting conversation, and there's obviously a lot of people keeping an eye on that, given the uh, growth, respective growth of the, the junior companies around that Mekathara area. So it's it's a pretty interesting dynamic at the moment. Everyone's kind of trying to keep an eye on it and figure out who's going to be the first one to go. I mean, in West Gold uh, have shown that they are prepared to try and buy assets as well. Um, they haven't always been successful in those attempts. And clearly, M&A is not something that they're you know frightened of. No, that's right. Probably my view may be a bit contrary to a lot of people because I don't think West Gold are going to do anything in the immediate or near future. And, you know, we have a pretty good relationship with West Gold, particularly at an operational level. We, we sort of collaborate quite well with their their guys on the ground and um and I've also had had a conversation with the managing director Wayne Bramwell who's he's a really nice guy very smart operator I think he's he's pretty busy you know demonstrating the value in his own assets and and probably not overly uh fascinated with the idea of buying juniors right now um obviously everyone's pretty cheap and it's probably a good time for him to go shopping but I just don't think he's going to do anything soon. And and I'm personally, I'm pretty happy with that because, you know, given the potential that I see at Great Boulder and our current share price, which today is just a tick under six cents, it's, um, you know, that's pretty miserable. And, and we've got a lot of value to add before anyone comes looking at us. So yeah, the more right. time I can have to drill holes, the better from my point of view. Yeah. Yeah. I understand that thinking completely as a shareholder myself. Um, so do you want to touch on the team? I know you mentioned um, Dan and Greg briefly, but do you want to go through the rest of the sort of key people within Great Boulder? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, getting back to Greg Greg Hall, the chairman, he's worked all over the world and he's, um, he's got an unusual combination of, of personality strengths, which is that he's firstly he's an extremely smart geologist and, and a real big picture mineral systems type guy. But he's also his, you know, like a secondary passion is is team, but team building and leadership. And and a, as a guy who's interested both in the technical side of the business, but also in developing the team within it, he's just sort of the ideal all-rounder to have as, as chairman. So his passion and enthusiasm for the team really drives the culture here. And um, and everybody here, I think, is thriving in in that culture that Greg embodies, which is is you know quite unusual and, and and presents in itself a great opportunity for us. I've spoken about me, uh, the the other two non-exec directors, Melanie Layton, who's the CEO of Titan Minerals. So she's a geologist with considerable experience in exploration. She's a great non-exec director. You know her her geological and corporate nows are, are very valuable and. Um, Karen O'Neill, who comes from more of a commercial and compliance background, 
and we deliberately recruited someone with that background because the, the other three of us being geologists we wanted someone a bit more sensible to keep us um, on the straight and narrow so you know that kind of diversity very wise <laughs> diversity of opinions and, and and of skill sets i think makes us a better board and makes for better decision making and then that's rounded out by mel ross the company secretary so three women two blokes on the board which is you know unusual for a company our size but it's 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 a really strong cohesive board on the one hand but we don't all have to agree with each other on the other so i think that that's a good dynamic to have dan doran uh, running the exploration so he's he's kind of our recruiter in chief and upsets all of all of our um, recruitment mates because he he manages to get people off the plane out of the uk quicker than anybody else so we managed to <laughs> Uh, recruit some very smart young GIs, um, particularly masters grads from the Camborne School of Mines. And um, we've had everyone here on board now for at least a year going on um, three years. Dan's been here probably five and a half years and myself four and a half years. So we've got a reasonably long serving team now. Technical team at the moment is about seven people. So that's about the ideal size for running drill programs, um, single rig drill programs and, and running people in and out of Mekathara on a roster. So it's working quite nicely. Yeah, from what I've seen, it's a young, energetic team uh, with an exciting project and they've got really good camaraderie um, between each other. Yeah, they do. And, you know, drilling in Mekathara in the summertime is pretty challenging and, and presents a specific set of of safety hazards that are mainly weather related so you know the the risks around having people walk working in 46 degree heat are significant and need to be managed and when you're dealing with people who, who aren't quite graduate level but are pretty close you know you need to get them used to those conditions and how to manage themselves how to manage their their work uh, effort and get home safely every day and, and uh, happy to say everyone's been doing that really well and and now they've gained a couple of summers experience they're getting better and better all the time brilliant well you know in march when it's very late february now um it'll be three years that corporate story time has been working with great boulder which is I, i've really enjoyed seeing the company grow uh in my opinion you know sidewell is one of if not the most exciting gold exploration project of any company in the asx so congratulations on what you've done so far there's there's just a long way to go i know but you know you're, you're on to a company making project at sidewell and you know, i think you're going to have you know the satisfaction one day of sitting back and seeing a very profitable you know gold mine uh, developed on on this tenement yeah i think so I, I totally agree, mate. I, I, you know, and um, as I said before, I've been in the game for 30 years, but I think this is is kind of one of those possibly once in a career kind of opportunities where you get something like this with a a small, dedicated, and passionate team. And um, one day we'll be standing in the gold room, and I'm sure Scott Wilson will be there, and we'll be all be holding the first gold bar, and it's going to be a pretty happy day. Bloody yeah. <laughs> oh, good on you, Andrew. Thanks so much for the chat, mate. Um, I enjoyed it. Uh, I, I really um, enjoy working with you and your team. And um, yeah, keep going. Thanks very much. Thanks for the chat. Thank you for listening to the Corporate Storytime podcast. 
We're really trying to build our audience for the podcast and aim to deliver regular episodes of our chats with executives from some of the ASX's most interesting companies. If you enjoy the show, please share it with your friends, follow the podcast and give us a like wherever you download it. And if you have any feedback, please drop us a line at info at corporatestorytime.com. Thanks and all the best.